Welcome to the Not Sorry Art Podcast. I'm Sari Shrike, the artist and creator behind Not Sorry Art and Not Sorry Art School. I'm so excited to talk art and creativity with you. So grab a drink, grab a snack, and let's dive in. This episode of the Not Sorry Art Podcast is brought to you by Not Sorry Art School. Not Sorry Art School is my online art school I created two and a half years ago to supplement my workshop teaching when the pandemic hit. It became a really great resource where I could put all of my knowledge about representational painting into one space. We add one new section or demo every quarter to Not Sorry Art School, and you don't have to pay a membership fee. You pay one time, and then you get access to all of the past videos and all future videos. Not Sorry Art School has an online Facebook group where I have office hours every Monday, and I answer questions within the Not Sorry Art School Facebook group. And there's also a wonderful sense of community on there where people will share their paintings and get great consensual feedback. I'm really excited about Not Sorry Art School. So if you're interested, make sure to click the link and check out the about page to learn more about Not Sorry Art School. Hello, welcome to the Not Sorry Art Podcast. I'm Sari. Thanks for being here. Today's episode is about reparenting and its value for creatives. And I feel like this is one of those topics where it seems like I'm pulling it out of a hat, but if I were to talk about my journey to where I'm at now, I actually think it might be chapter one. And the reason I say that is because whenever I first graduated from college, I had a really tough time. I had about a really stubborn creative block for about a year and a half, you know, but during that off time, I also was pregnant and had my first child and two months into his little life I started my one drawing a day turned into one painting a day practice and the rest is history however I think without sort of diving into what I did during part of that year and a half and you know it became something I I do and still very much practice I I have to I must include the chapter about reparenting because I did it because I needed to be a good mom for my child and that was my goal and I was singularly focused on that but I look back in hindsight and I definitely think it was what helped me to be the creative I am today and I was thinking about it earlier and I do think the reason I tend to overlook it is because it was just coincidence right I happened to be overcoming an artist block and really struggling to get in touch with myself creatively despite having gone to school for art at the same time that I was pregnant with my first child and healing a lot of my own wounds from my childhood. It just all seemed to happen at the same time. But if I were to sit with someone and they were telling me that they were struggling with finding an abundant creative practice or like a creative practice that wasn't ruled by perfectionism or if like me, that that inner perfectionist was keeping them from doing art at all, I actually might guide them towards some of these reparenting principles. And so it's for that reason that today I'm going to talk about reparenting and how it can help you with your creative practice. So if that sounds interesting, then stay tuned. Thanks for being here and let's dive in. So first, let's talk about what is reparenting. And I'll start by saying I didn't know I was getting into reparenting whenever I started reading some of these tenets and ideas. I sort of 
was just reading everything on parenting and years later I found out what I was doing was called reparenting. I actually, when I remember when I would talk to my husband about it, I would call it self-mothering thinking I'd come up with some term, but of course it's already... Of course, it's already a thing. But anyways, I was just reading parenting books. And a lot of the parenting books I was reading was about respectful parenting. For a little bit of context, I grew up with authoritarian parents. And I just, I knew I didn't want to go that route. Anyways, so reparenting is basically the idea that through present day actions and mindset shifts and love and compassion for yourself, recentering self-awareness, you can give yourself the benefit of having had those things when you were a child, even though it's later in life. So you're implementing a lot of the things and ideas and mindsets of respectful parenting, but in your present day life. Now, it doesn't mean that you go back to being a toddler, <laughs> but it is addressing that when you have wounds that happen to you at those ages, whether those were large unmet needs by parents who didn't have the capacity to care for you, or maybe those needs were smaller. Maybe your parents were capable in a lot of ways, but there were just a handful of things because no one's perfect that they didn't quite meet for you. They didn't meet some needs and you have the power through reparenting, or at least the philosophy says, that you can look inwards for those needs, a tenant of reparenting is self-awareness, and you can look at those limiting beliefs and you can take care of yourself as a parent would their child and from that you can become a more whole actualized person and I you know the jury's still out on that for me personally although the data is compelling but what I will say and what I can say with conviction is that a lot of the things that you do when you reparent yourself can show up in your artwork because I think a lot of who we are as artists operates out of a part of ourselves that's been very active and aware for a very long time that that for a lot of people really comes into vision during our childhood okay but what what did i say about those tenets right i was, I was, I was getting to something concrete right so the tenets of reparenting are self-awareness which is the ability to identify and address limiting beliefs and patterns and for creativity i would say this is recognizing our creative needs and desires the next thing is self-validation so for creatives this would be to celebrate creative accomplishments cultivate self-compassion and kindness towards yourself and self-soothing is another tenant so practicing self-care taking breaks giving yourself water, meeting your physical needs. For a lot of people, this can be needs for stimulation. And I can tell you as a parent, that's something I spend a lot of my day doing with my child is sort of checking in and how stimulated are you? Do you need food? Do you need water? And it's something we can really forget about as adults because we're adults and we can just deal with it. But just because you have the capacity in an emergency situation to ignore all those cues and get through your day, doesn't mean we should and that's i'm saying that as much for myself as everyone else but and then finally the last tenet is self-protection so the setting of boundaries and protecting your creative time and space and your creative inner critic that all has to do with that self-protection okay i want to dive into all of those different tenets individually and with details and examples but before i do that i'm going to rewind a little bit and talk about 23 year old siri <laughs> So as I told you, I was reading everything and one of the first things I found was Janet Lansbury's book, No Bad Children. And 
this, I don't know what gravitated me towards it other than knowing that I wanted to be a different parent than my parents had. And and by this was not a, I think everything my parents did was wrong. Certainly there were some things that they did that I value and cherish and they made me who I am. So on some level, there's gratitude that I now have as a grown up, but I can identify that the treatment that I had as a child, I did not deserve it and I deserve better. And it's not that we're changing the past or we're hanging on to the past. But for me, my focus was, okay, but what can I do for my kid? And part of why I knew I needed to read and not just respond by being opposite to my parents is because of something I learned when I read another book, which is Adult Children of Alcoholics. My parents both struggled with drug addiction and and alcohol and substance abuse in various levels my whole childhood. And there's this idea in the book where colloquially it said alcoholism skips a generation. And part of the reason why this is a belief is because the parent might struggle with alcohol addiction. And for this example, you can insert what other generational trauma you are contending with. And then the child might see that form of dysregulation and say, well, I'm not going to drink alcohol because I see that as the problem. And that's a very obvious conclusion to make. And I don't think that that's inherently a wrong conclusion to make. But the book points out that the reason it skips a generation is if you don't work on the hard work of re-regulating yourself and re-establishing boundaries and trust and reparenting, I guess, to bring this full circle, you are bound to raise a child who's dysregulated. And one of the things that helps people who are dysregulated is substances. And so I'm not to like I'm not trying to scare anyone here. I hope that wasn't too heavy. But the idea being that you can't just respond by doing the opposite of what was done to you. And I could sense myself going that way. So with Janet Lansbury's book, which was an offshoot of Magda Gerber, if you're interested in going down that line, (laughs) I think it's been turned into something that we now kind of refer to as gentle parenting, which is why I also want to clear up something that the difference between gentle parenting, permissive parenting, authoritarian parenting. These are all labels and not everyone's going to fit into one. So I'm speaking in generals here. And please know that this isn't a parenting podcast and I'm not giving parenting advice. I hope that we all can agree that I'm just pulling from my experience of parenting ideas that I think can help you in your creative practice. But anyways, all that to say is that the opposite of like the strict, authoritarian, unkind, unyielding kind of parenting isn't the opposite. It isn't allowing the child's emotions to just run the roost. I don't want to clean up my clothes. I don't want to, you know, help out the family pick up for dinner. I don't want to go to bed at 730 because that's an appropriate bedtime for children, right? It's not that we just let the children do whatever they want. It's actually, it ends up being harder work in a lot of ways than authoritarian parenting because it involves a constant reevaluation of needs and safety and boundaries. So I think sometimes there's this idea that if you're respectful parenting or gentle parenting, that it's the easy way out. It's just laying down, but it's not that at all. When you respect something, it doesn't mean you don't engage with. It actually means that you have to tailor your engagement to fit where that child is in the moment. And so I found that having to constantly do an inventory of what's age appropriate, 
what's appropriate to my specific child, what's appropriate to this day, what's appropriate to their emotions right now actually requires a ton of work. And if I can give you a really like concrete physical example of this, it's this idea of when I was doing something bad as a child or ornery or, you know, worth getting in trouble for, I'll just say that. My parents would yell at me from across a room, full blast, and there would immediately be punishment. And with a permissive parent, you might, you know, hey, get off of the top of the swing, like you're going to get hurt with no real follow through. But respectful parenting walks over to where the child's at, crouches to their level, and checks in with them. And if it's a safety thing, immediately removes them. But if not, checks in with them and has to think creatively of of boundaries and questions and you know it can be as simple as walking up getting to ground level and saying hey we don't disrespect our environment come over here we're no longer playing here it doesn't have to be permissive but it's a lot of tailoring it's a lot of listening to where someone's at and a lot of times it's implementing discipline but in a way that's respectful and age appropriate okay why am i giving guys a parenting lecture because if we can simply pivot away from a seven-year-old, a two-year-old, a 10-year-old, and we can apply that kind of framework to an adult with varying needs, a lot of times that's where magic happens. And so this is a little bit of a continuation of my conversation earlier about discipline. And the idea isn't that discipline has to be this authoritarian you know the rules, get off the slide, yelling from across the room. And kindness doesn't have to be lazily kind of yelling at you from across the playground, you're going to get hurt until you eventually get hurt. It's this more creative, more tailored, more love-filled action where you're meeting yourself where you're at and you're getting down to eye level wherever you're at and honoring where you're at and and being okay with it, but then giving yourself the guidance to get where you want to go. And I say all this to reiterate that what implementing reparenting in your life or in your creative practice should feel like is a mixture between effort and discipline because it's easier to ignore your needs. It's easier to continue with limiting beliefs. It's easier to keep on the status quo. But it's also a compassion for where you're at, your history, you know, how did we get to those limiting beliefs? How did we get to a point where we're scared and we have an inner perfectionist? And I find that it's a balance between those two and they're going to be perfectly tailored to you. The, The thing about this that I've learned from even just parenting two kids and, you know, working with myself is that everyone's needs are so different and they change from day to day, hour to hour, that it really you know, it's hard to be dogmatic with any of this. You really have to be willing to be as creative with how we take care of ourselves as we are with our creative acts. And I actually feel like parenting is a very creative act. I think it's a beautiful compliment to art, but that's a, an episode for another day. So let's dive into those, those tenets and hopefully I can give you some examples and ways that you can implement them into your practice. So like I mentioned earlier, self-awareness, and it's the ability to identify and address limiting beliefs and patterns and recognizing that creative needs and desires are valuable. So self-awareness, 
basically in this analogy is getting at eye level with yourself. It's it's walking across the playground instead of just hollering that limiting belief over and over or why aren't you more creative or why don't you paint more or why don't you post more or why aren't you confident enough to do sales pushes instead of just yelling at yourself across the playground it's walking over to yourself and looking yourself in the eye okay i'm hearing myself and realizing how woo woo this sounds but what this can mean is just a moment to yourself go find your favorite spot go find you know a place in your studio or a coffee shop or a bench at the park and really sit with yourself and be aware or try to provoke awareness around well why do you think this things is this what your mom told you did an art teacher tell you this do you not feel worthy of sales pushes because you don't feel confident in your artwork why don't you feel confident in your artwork it's just getting a picture of what you're looking at in a non-judgmental way i think the magic is that it's not judgmental right you can walk you can be frustrated that your kid's standing on top of the slide even though you've told them not to but when you get over there you have to meet them with compassion and it doesn't mean you don't follow through with action but it's always this understanding and this ability to sort of understand that you're dealing with with a kid and I think that hopefully speaks to some of the magic of this episode which is that we all basically still have the same needs and functions as a kid and you know the tricky thing about sort of healing yourself you know when you're in your 20s or 30s or 40s or 50s is that by this point in your life you have responsibilities and you have needs of other people you have to meet and you know your time of being kind of the center of the show and all the adults are around you to help you find your balance and to help regulate you and to focus on you you've passed that window and I think there is a certain grief that comes with that but as adults we can also to the best of our ability, find the space to recognize that maybe there are needs that haven't been met. And maybe there are areas where you are just a little less developed than others. But instead of judging yourself for that, you say, okay, it is what it is. I have really low self-worth in this area. I have a really hard time with rejection. And instead of demanding yourself to be as put together as quote other adults are which i think is largely a myth i think we're all just doing the best we can instead of sort of holding our measuring stick up to ourselves and saying well you should be here it's just meeting yourself where you're at acknowledging our strengths and our weaknesses and proceeding forward with whatever action with no judgment around that area so the next point is self-validation it's celebrating creative accomplishments and to cultivating self-compassion and kindness towards yourself. So I, another way I like to sort of frame this point is it's learning to listen, see, and observe where your interests are. Okay, what does that have to do? I feel like that feels kind of murky, right? Okay, what I mean by this is an important tenet in respectful parenting is rooted in how we give our children feedback. So something that Janet Lansbury, Magda Gerber, sort of this line of thinking is very keen on being aware of is not implementing adult values onto children. And I know that's going to seem contradictory because isn't that the job of a parent to sort of help create these values, values like make sure we don't lie and make sure we're respectful to other people. And those are great values to have. And certainly they are, and certainly as a parent, that is something you can and do cultivate. 
but there's this idea that a lot of times children with guidance and structure and respect and love and kindness and regulation from their care environment can find a lot of these things for themselves. And more importantly, if we give them space, they can find a lot of these things for themselves through a tether that's a lot more authentic to who they are. Okay, I know it still seems kind of blurry, but what I mean by this is let's take the example of a child doing art because this is an art podcast after all. But the idea that let's say you're you're coloring with your two and a half year old and they scribble and you have a tendency to be, oh, this is so beautiful. I love the beautiful sparkles you use. This is so great. You're training your child to seek validation in other people around them. And I know this isn't to say that complimenting your children is off the table. And again, this is not a parenting podcast. If that feels right for you and your children, that is totally fine. Everyone parents differently. It's all good. But where that applies to us is a little different. So going back to this analogy, the modification that respectful parenting would make would be to, to say, wow, look at you making art and using all using and then name the specific colors, purple and blue and orange. What do you think or what do you like about your art? And when they develop more language, they'll be able to say more. Or you can ask them to describe the art for you. And, oh, I love when you tell me about your artwork. That's one I use a lot is I will often say, I love when you get excited about something and you tell me about it. I love that you feel so excited about your artwork, right? And what this does is this pulls the pressure away from artwork as a means to get compliments from people I love and admire to I make artwork for myself. And this can apply to different things and in different areas of our lives. But why I like this is because it trains us to pull our compass away from validation from other people or as, as grown-ups, as narratives in our head that we've sort of carry with us from other people to really truly listening to what we want. And the reason why that's incredibly important is if we can develop the ability to look within ourselves and say, well, I know that painting a realistic looking apple in sunlight might get me a lot of likes on Instagram and my mom might think I'm more of a real artist because I'm painting something representational and maybe I'll be able to sell it more. But I get really excited whenever I make these abstract blobs and then color over it with Sharpie and collage pictures from my childhood on top of it. (laughs) I don't know. I'm spitballing. But that reason why that's an important focus is because you can't sustain yourself off of an external motivation. You're going to end up in burnout. You're going to end up struggling with something that's there to bring you joy and happiness. And I know that there's a balance. So, you know, I have to deal with the balance of like cutting the difference between bodies of work that sell versus body of work that really make me happy. But you'll never get to a place where you can make that choice honestly unless you develop and grow that ability to see within yourself what you like and what you don't like and I I use the word grow very purposefully because it does kind of feel like slowly starting to water and put sunlight on a little seed especially if you had a childhood like mine where focusing on what you liked was never really talked about or addressed you know it was very much following rules and making other people happy and whenever I graduated from college and again that's a very external model make good grades make your professors happy to the only person I was making art for was myself I didn't have an audience I didn't have people who would buy it it was just for me for years and 
through learning to listen to my own validation and cultivating that sense of learning to cheer for myself whenever I was feeling excited and not other people or internal narratives, that work, which seems so small but is incredibly hard, is is labor that I still reap the fruits from every single day. Self-soothing is our third out of our four points. And self-soothing is the practice of self-care, taking breaks, recharging when needed. And this is going to be the most, I think, obvious comparison between parenting and, and, and helping ourselves with our creative practice. And it's because, yeah, you're totally in mom mode when you do this. And sometimes we forget as adults to do this for ourselves. But it, it gets back to that point I made earlier where if you sort of give yourself this talk about like, I'm a grown-up, I don't have time for this, I can push through, I know how to suppress my needs to get my work done or to help other people, you end up cultivating an environment where when you do finally have the time to sit down and make art, well, you've you've put blinders over all of your, your needs. You maybe have a hard time listening to when you're dehydrated or hungry or burnt out or you need a day or two to veg on Netflix and, you know, what can end up happening is you can either end up pushing yourself Or you can sort of end up where you don't ever have the motivation to push yourself. You know, it can sort of go either or direction. Because the truth is, you know, assuming that you do have the time and space and that you can cultivate a practice, there are plenty of people who really don't have access to that because of things in their life and that's totally valid. But if you do know that you have the time and space and you're not pushing forward or if you are pushing too hard and you're kind of on the edge of burnout – something that's really important to do is be able to take inventory of yourself. So like I said earlier, a big part of my day-to-day job with children, maybe even the bulk of it, (laughs) is are you hungry? Do you need to pee? Do you need love? Like something that we say in our house all the time is I've trained my kids to say, I need love and attention. They say it all the time because truthfully, little humans need a ton of love and attention. (laughs) And I've even used it with myself and I've used it with my partner where I just said like, what do I need right now? I need love and attention. And like, it's an important thing to sort of have access to because that is another one of our needs. And making sure that you are meeting those and that you're being kind to yourself and you're setting yourself up, packing yourself a lunch, making sure the air conditions at the right temperature, whatever that looks like, is important work. And our final tenant is self-protection. And this can look like boundary setting or setting creative time and space for yourself. And this is where a little bit more of that, that discipline might come in. Because again, respectful parenting, gentle parenting, whatever you want to call it, isn't just about being permissive it's yes understanding that you're busy and you're fatigued and if that if that looks like for you truly resting and maybe you rest for months or years or everyone's different there's burnout there's all kinds of good reasons to take rest and our culture certainly doesn't value it but if you are someone who you know that you should be showing up more for yourself but instead you're listening to those limiting beliefs the trope is always to say that someone's just watching netflix but what i find that ends up happening a lot with people is they take on labor for other people to sort of do something with that time maybe i'm projecting here but it doesn't have to look like you're ignoring it because you're just watching tiktoks or netflix or you know it can be meaningful work too but the point what i'm trying to say is 
as kind of being your own parent, you have to look within your schedule and how you're allotting your energy and time and say, you know what? I value this creative time and no one else does (laughs) because as a culture, we don't value creativity, especially if there isn't income attached and everyone in my personal life thinks it's funny that I make art because I'm not very good at drawing, but I want to make collages or whatever that looks like for you. But as my own advocate, I'm going to say I'm going to be brave enough and I'm going to be structured enough and I'm going to be reliable enough to say, nope, Tuesdays and Thursdays, you know what? You get off work a little early those days, your commute shorter. You're going to you're going to have time to sit and, and play with art for an hour both of those days a week. And we're going to tell other people and we're going to honor it and we're going to write it in our notebook and we're going to continue to show up for ourselves because, you know, that's another part of parenting. It's consistency. It's showing up. It's being reliable. And that can be anything from the fact that my kid knows that, you know, 99% of the time when they wake up, mom's there. And, and not, I'm not saying you have to be present all the time. Daycare is a fabulous thing. Rely on your network to help you. I'm, I'm good with all that. But it's the reliability of knowing that like every day I have a caring parent who's going to be there and wake me up from my crib and sit with me for my first hour of the day. Or knowing that every day mom and dad packed me a lunch for school and it's full of the foods that I like to eat that are healthy. Or it's knowing that mom and dad every night pick up our house and every morning it's clean enough to get by. It's it's fine. It's just with two young kids, it's, it can be challenging. But it's clean enough that I live in a respectful space with, with places for me to play and it's clean. And it's this reliability of your environment and your structure in your life to the best of our ability meets our needs and supports our goals. So those are the tenets. And I think it's important to talk about the benefits of all those things. And hopefully you can sort of see the the idea coming from a mile away. The benefit of a lot of those things are just that you're supported and you feel confident and the space in your brain and wherever you decide to make art is a little more loving and accepting and and you know you're sort of meeting yourself halfway. You know, I, in my mind I always sort of envision this reparenting process like I really do picture like a younger toddler version of myself some days not wanting to go into the studio. I got a couple of rejection letters from galleries I applied to and I'm feeling really hurt about it. And the reparenting basically comes along and says, listen, I know you were rejected. If you want to take a day off, if you need to take a day off, that's fine. But the next day we're going to show up and we're going to go into our studio and you don't have to make anything. You can just organize your paints. You can clean up. But we're going we're gonna to show up in the studio anyways. And I do that with my kids all the time. I meet them where they're at. If, it, if compassion is what it is, if it's have, letting them stay home a day because they need to see a good example of what taking care of your mental health looks like, then that's fine. But it's not letting defeat get you down completely. It's saying, well, you know what? We have goals with school. We want to be able to be able to read and write because you want to read books. So we're going to keep showing up. And, you know, and, and it's, it's, it's meeting yourself where you're at. It's being as creative as you can, but to sort of give you more, more sort of, um, examples of that, the idea is that you're going to increase your, your confidence and self-worth. And if you remember my episode about inspiration, the science basically says that having self-worth and confidence is absolutely a precursor to an abundant 
creative practice. And I don't say that to discourage people who are lacking in confidence rather than to say that pouring love and attention into a part of yourself that would help you to boost your confidence, even if it's just a little bit, is a worthy place to put that energy. It's also going to increase your creativity and willingness to take risks. And that's the other thing, you know, in all these parenting books, they they talk ad nauseum about the importance of, of supporting and creating a support network and reassuring and comforting your children. Because if you know that you'll show up every day for your practice or whatever that looks like for you, whether you make an ugly painting or not, that a limiting belief about you not being worthy or a good artist isn't going to completely throw you off track, then you're going to be more willing to try things that require some bravery. And that can be big bravery like, you know, doing a whole different medium and applying to shows and going out and mingling with artists and doing all kinds of big crazy stuff. Or it can just be, well, today I'm going to use that orange and I know it's a bright color and I may not have a handle on it, but I'm going to try it anyways. And whatever that looks like to you, willingness to take risk is something that's absolutely imperative to the the creative process and if you are a better parent to yourself then you have access to that improved emotional resilience and the ability to handle creative challenges you know there's this misconception around gentle parenting that it, it raises children to be more soft or less able to take on a tough world But I don't think that's true at all. I think you end up with this weird sort of chasm that happens. When you have super duper authoritarian parents like me, I learned to shut off all my internal sensors. I just did not listen to myself. I, if I was hungry, if I was tired, if I was fatigued, I became very good at just shutting it all off and I paid for it later. So it definitely isn't a good thing to just not be human and be a robot and push yourself through your life. And was I tough and did I take chances absolutely but it was because I was completely not listening to myself and the minute I turned back on any of that volume I crashed and burned and had to do years and years and almost decades of deep emotional work that I've had a privilege to be able to do but that I've had to unlearn and sort of the other side of things that resilience you get if you do listen to yourself if you do have the internal volume turned up and you are listening to yourself and you're like i am scared and i don't know if i'm going to be able to do this but when you've given yourself the consistency and resiliency in your own life and in the way you treat yourself to be like you know what if you crash and burn i'll still be here you'll still wake up you'll still have your art supplies the world isn't going to burn down if you get rejected if you can create that resilience in yourself and that trust then you've unlocked like another tool as an artist because that willingness to sort of put yourself out there and to say your message and to connect with other people is a big part of that creative practice. And finally, supporting yourself, reparenting yourself enhances enjoyment and satisfaction in the creative process. The last point and maybe the most important point is to be able to enjoy it, have fun. You know, a lot of what I do for my children, we do have a lot of structure. I am a very respectful parent but we are pretty structured in a lot of ways we do have a pretty strict bedtime and we try our vegetables and you know it's by no means permissive but within that structure and comfort we really value joy and happiness and fun and we let that guide our day and you know when we have a really unstructured weekend we sort of say well what do you want to do today and we promote curiosity and and you know life is about enjoying and being grateful in the moment and a lot of that 
expresses itself through making s'mores in our backyard or whatever that looks like. And, you know, I think that's what makes all of this possible is if you found a way to sort of enjoy your creative practice. And again, the one of the best ways to get to that without it just being dependent on external markers of success is by cultivating sort of this loving, open, resilient space for yourself. So I hope that was an insightful episode. Hopefully you learned something and didn't just feel like you were getting lectured about parenting. Again, this was in no way meant to be parenting advice. Everyone parents differently. I would never seek to tell you what you're doing is right or wrong. I, I don't know. And let me just say, I haven't had teenagers yet, so maybe I'll be eating my words in a couple of years. But the point I'm trying to make here is that you deserve love and compassion. And if you didn't, have all your needs met as a kid that might be showing up in your artwork there are plenty of really good books on reparenting i'll list a couple i'll even list janet lansbury's no bad kids because even if you don't have kids it's a good read and very insightful and and just a good thing to sort of have on your mind but i hope that any of this resonates for you let me know if you can implement any of those things into your practice and if it was helpful i appreciate you guys for being here thank you for listening and happy creating as always thank you for leaving any reviews they always help channels that are newer we are in our first season of the not sorry art podcast so it's always really helpful plus it helps people find the episodes thank you for everyone who has shared this on their social media it means a lot to me this is something i've wanted to do for a long time i'm really enjoying sort of connecting with you guys on more of a long form format i love it i'm a rambler if you made it this far in the episode you're aware but if you wanted to leave a review it's always really helpful i will read your handle off on next week's episode so again very helpful thank you for doing that thank you for considering and sharing and have a great rest of your day